Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Robcast. This is episode 363, and this episode, well, it's the first episode of 2024, so there's that. And this episode is called My Leaf Blower Has a Turbo Button. (laughs) And honestly, I ought to say this up front, I have no idea what the point of this episode is. I don't know what it means. I don't know how it connects to anything. It's literally just things I want to tell you. So I made a, and I made a list of them. It's this straightforward. I made a list of things I want to tell you. The first thing is I want to tell you about my leaf blower that, that <laughs> I don't know if you're aware of it, has a turbo button. And then I want to talk about Bakersfield, California. And then uh, I'm going to tell you something that happened to me. What will we call it? A social engagement. Something that happened to me at a social engagement that I recently attended. And then uh, I want to say something about the news that isn't the news, and what the news may even be. And then uh, I want to tell you about some pants. <laughs> God, I didn't realize how much uh, joy it would bring me just to read this list. And then I want to finish by telling you about something I call, oh my God, my hair is soaking wet. Do you realize how soaking wet my hair is? That's the last thing. So, first, my leaf blower. I was over at my friend Paul's house recently. You know, Paul and Kathy live around the corner. We were watching football, and I told Paul this story, and as I'm telling him the story, I'm realizing, is this even a story? Maybe if if this grew up one day, it would become a story, but I don't even know if this is a story. This is just a thing, but for some reason, as I'm telling it to him, I'm thinking, why am I telling him about this? Which, that alone makes stories fascinating. Why do we have this what is it? Drive, need, joy, compulsion to tell people about something that happened to us? But what's so fast, and I've had the sense when it happened to me last fall that it, that it means something, but I have no idea what. It was like totally fitting and totally random and utter nonsense, and yet it strangely did do something to me. And here's what was fascinating. I'm telling Paul about this thing that happened, And I watch him light up. He starts laughing as if there's some deep meaning that clicked for him. (laughs) But neither of us quite know what it was. So here's the story. If it even is a story, I'll let you be the judge. Once again, a list of things that I want to tell you about. Uh, Last fall, I did a Robcast episode called Things Like Sweeping. And I told about working in the garage and how I would come out in the morning to, to do whatever I was going to do and the garage floor would need to be swept because it was behaving like a garage floor does. And uh, so I went to the hardware store and I bought one of those old school straw brooms uh, because after sweeping for a while, it's like, you got to have a proper old school broom, the kind of broom that after you get done sweeping, you have to sweep up from the pieces of the broom <laughs> that fell off while you were sweeping, that kind. And... Uh, So I would sweep out here, and at first it was annoying. It was like, I just want to get to whatever thing I came out to to do, and yet it kind of needs to be swept. And over time, I noticed how the sweeping became part of it. And so I did this whole episode about email and administrivia and details and driving your kids places and diapers and accounting and bookkeep, all those things. It's like they're the things that we want to do, that we love to do, that we're drawn to do. And then there's all the stuff that comes with it. And there's these parts over here, and then there's those parts over there. And oftentimes you can just draw a line down the middle of things like here's the part that's great and here's the part that like you just have to get through so you can get to the part that's great. So I did my best to tell you about how ever so gradually the sweeping became part of it. It moved from being a thing that I just had a task that I had to do to get to the stuff I really wanted to do and it became part of it. Now I know a number of you are like, yeah, also called an introduction to Zen. <laughs> also called the parts belonging to the whole, that this shift in consciousness from 
these parts over here and these parts over here to all of it belonging to whole to the whole can actually and I experienced bits of pieces of this bits and pieces of this over the years where all of a sudden something very mundane, some detail, some task that just feels like ugh, can over time, sometimes even just suddenly, become elevated. Sacred is one of the words for it. It it when you begin to see things in their larger wholeness, it can rescue you from a sense of uh, that, that slog feeling like, oh, another day of uh, to, yeah, yeah, this, this is what comes with that. And it's all part of it. So anyway, I did my best Rob Bell attempt to talk about that, to articulate it, to explain what had happened with me, all that. Then, that was probably what, September, October? Then, I don't know, within a month of, of putting up that episode, one day there's a box at the front door, and I open it up, and Kristen had bought a leaf blower. Are you familiar with these machines of destiny? <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> machines of destiny. Are, you, are any of you in? I have not been in the leaf blower game but I took, I put that thing together. I went out and we have a small, like right behind the house, there's a small bit of like, there's some plants, uh, a tree, some furniture, and then like a hedge. So it's not a very big space. But I went out there with this new leaf blower because previously I would rake the leaves back there and sweep and try not to rake up the rocks that the leaves landed on, all that. But those of you who have been in the leaf blower game for a while, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I pulled that trigger and entered into a whole new realm. <laughs> and then, because the leaves just, it was, it was a wonderful sense of power. <laughs> and then I discover on top of the handle, there's the trigger part with your index finger, but on top with your thumb, there's another button and it just said turbo on it. And when I pushed it, I'm just glad there weren't small children nearby because stuff went flying everywhere. It's like that turbo. I already had a strong sense of, oh, we have just taken the care of this backyard to another level. But the turbo button, that was a moment. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. That was a moment. And this leaf blower has a battery, so it doesn't have a cord or anything. (laughs) Obviously, it doesn't have a cord, and it's rechargeable, and our house has like solar panels. So literally this this wondrous machine runs on the sun at some deep existential level. I mean, this, all that in a backyard on a whatever Thursday evening. So, I don't know, a little while later, uh, a couple days later maybe, I come out in the morning, the garage floor needs sweeping, I reach for the broom, but next to the broom, hanging from a hook on a shelf, I had placed my new leaf blower, and you know, you know where this story is about to go. I was like, huh, I wonder if you can use a leaf blower <laughs> indoors. <laughs> but then I was like, well, I'll just open the garage door and see how it works if you just blast the floor. So I open the garage door, I turn the leaf blower around, then I hit that turbo button, and I swear to you, this garage floor, you could, have, you could eat off it within about four seconds. <laughs> and somewhere I smelled the smoke from the flames of that Robcast episode going up (laughs) in a ball of fire. (laughs) Enough with sweeping. My leaf blower has a turbo button. This thing will take four seconds. (laughs) See what I mean? I have no idea if if that even hits the minimum, bare minimum threshold requirement of a story. All I know... It, it, it has something to do in some ways with the past, I don't know, two years of my life, of all that talking and explaining and doing my very earnest, genuine best to say what I said and then the sort of etch-a-sketch feeling like, ah, never mind. <laughs> I don't really know how anything works. It's different than that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I love how I don't understand what that is, and at some level it speaks to me, and I love how when I told Paul 
it's like he just started laughing like yeah yeah <laughs> okay next bakersfield california uh i have this idea i've been thinking about it for a while i want to try something um because I love talking about uh, the characters in my Where'd You Park Your Spaceship book. I love hearing how people see them and interact with them and the sort of path that you follow the, the narrator of the book, Heen Grubers, and then what happens when he meets Dil Tud and Borns and Zika May, and then what happens when he meets Noon Ye and what is going on with her and the grain. I just love talking about it. I learned so much about other people. I learned so much about myself. So I want to, I was like, I want to do like a book club about that. Maybe where I would read sections of it and we'd discuss, but then what if it was a book club, but you didn't have to have read the book. And then what if people just brought their questions? Cause I do these two days here in OI where people come for two days. We just did one, uh, last week and actually we just put up dates for the next five months. So Come sit under the trees with me, bring your question. And what happens a couple hours in is people are like, I don't even know how to describe what's happening here because we're have it's like this experience of this communal experience of watching each other find our way that is just so I was like, people we could do like a book club, but people also could just bring questions about their life and we could watch and people bring their question and I ask them questions about their questions and things happen that yeah, I don't, I don't know how to describe that. But it's like, what if there was like a book club, but you didn't have to have read the book, and it was something to do with spaceships, but it was also just how we together find our way into this new world that we're making. And then I have, surrounding me right now in the garage, all this art. And I was like, so what if I, because I did this once last year at Largo when the book came out. I set up like an art show store. Um, so I was like, what if, I was like, that would be, such, that would be my idea of such a fun <laughs> night to set up like my art store art show and then we'd all sit together like in uh I don't know like a dance club like a what am I saying dance like a oh maybe like a dance studio dance hall venue art gallery backyard warehouse after hours coffee place bookstore something like at the space and that's why I'm talking to you about it. I have this idea for an evening. Um, years ago, I did a tour stop in Bakersfield, California, and I remember this would have been the spring of 2010. So how many would that be? Seven Robs ago. And uh, I have no idea how many Robs ago. But uh, I remember we were sound checking, and I was looking around at the venue, which was like, I remember it was like maybe like a half circle and the stage was square. And I was laughing to somebody who worked at the venue. I was like, God, this, I feel like I'm in like a wrestling arena. And they were like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what this usually gets used for. It's like Lucha Libre <laughs> wrestling. And I was like, and the ring, like the ring is where I'll be standing when I talk. And they're like, yeah. And something about it. And then something about the venue and just how wonderfully absurd and awesome it was. And then the people in Bakersfield were so great. So many of them were like, why did you come to Bakersfield? But they were so like exuberant and funny. And the crowd was just like one of the best crowds I've ever talked to. So when I started thinking about this idea, I was like, God, I would love to try this out in Bakersfield. <laughs> That'd be so fun. Now, old Rob, three Robs ago, one Rob ago, would be like, figure it out and then tell Robcast people, okay, here's when it's happening, here's the night, here's how it's going to, here's the location, all that. But I was like, I should just say it and see who has a space, who, who has a space in Bakersfield. And it's like, that's, I have exactly the space you're looking for. And then we'll just do it there. So if that's you, info at robbell.com. And then I thought, well... I mean, if we tried it in Bakersfield, then it seems like we should try it. What should we call it? How about spaceship sessions? And then I was like, we should try it. I should try it in Santa Barbara. Of course. I'm talking 
to you, Julia, who owns Dune, that fantastic coffee place, a place like that, or some other place. And then I was like, well, then how about Pasadena? And uh, I don't know. I mean, should we get crazy? Should we go, should we pierce the orange curtain and go down into Orange County and uh, do it down there? Like who's got spaces? As you can see, the general requirement is that I'll be able to sleep in my own bed that night. <laughs> it sounds so enjoyable. The more I thought about it and I thought about telling you, which I am now, I was so struck with how this is how, uh, yeah, this is how we move. You, I can, I'm struck with how many people I've run into recently, uh, and especially at, at the two-day sessions here in Ojai, how many people are moving in new ways. How many of you are moving in new ways in the world? That the, that the old world had a suspicion and cynicism about it. Like, almost like it better be hard. Like, your, your art better involve a war. Like, there better be a struggle. Somebody somewhere better be bleeding on a cross. That if it was just following what sounded like the most enjoyable, meaningful thing... For so many people, that was like, ah, I don't know, I don't know, that, that, that sounds selfish. And yet, when we are moved, when people do give us a great gift, when somebody does create something or invite us into something that fills us with wonder and awe, how often when we ask them questions about it and we get down to why they did it, they're generally like, that just, yeah, that's, that's what I wanted to do. That's what sounded yeah, I, th I figured if it would mean something to me, it, it might do something to some. If I thought it was beautiful, somebody else might. If it helped me, I thought maybe it would help someone else. And that so much of the old world energies had debt, duty, and obligation wrapped up in them. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's that's in some ways how it works. Is we listen. We create enough stillness and silence and spacious emptiness that we get all those voices off our shoulder and things begin to arise. Yeah, yeah. Inevitably, new energies, new visions, new ideas will arise and ask for expression. I've noticed how many people, um, when you sit across from me, and what was fascinating, especially at this last two days, is how, how, how quickly the group started to catch on to it. And it became, it becomes like an inside joke, but it's also so much about the, the tender, vulnerable place in the heart that it's a joke, but it's also like, like dead on at the center of who we are. But I've noticed how many people will be, will be exploring and asking their question and talking about what the next step is for them. And then they'll say something like this. They'll say, I don't know why this keeps coming up. It sounds so dumb, but I'm just going to say it. Or they'll say, I know this is a tangent, but let me just mention it. Or they'll say, this seems totally random, and I'm kind of embarrassed to even mention it, but... And what I've noticed now over the past few years is the moment we have that, something rises and we're like, uh, I I have a sense that, that this is the next thing to say, but, but I... What, what's actually happening is our deepest self is actually speaking, but the voices around us, the conditioning, the programming is so strong around, no, it's more complicated than that. You, you know, that would be, and then fill in the words, uh, selfish, lazy, trivial, um, not serious. And yet a hundred percent of the time when the person says, there's this thing that keeps coming up. I feel really ridiculous saying it right now, but, but these questions that I'm asking, what I keep coming back to is, and then they name something, and what's so fascinating is the group of us sitting around the person when they begin to follow it is every single time it's like, uh, yep, yep, there's something so true and so authentic to who they are. It's fascinating fascinating how that actually works. So uh, back to Bakersfield. Bakersfield, talking 
to Pasadena, I don't know, Santa Monica, Costa Mesa, <laughs> Paso Robles, San Luis Obispo. Uh, I would love to, I don't know, in the next couple of months, whenever, load up my car and come see you and we'll do, yeah, let's call them spaceship sessions. Doesn't that feel proper? Like if your friend was like, where are you headed tonight? You're like, oh, I'm going to the spaceship sessions. Doesn't that feel right? <laughs> and always name it something that you're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I'd go to that. <laughs> Which, which uh, all of this, all of this talk about the new world, making a new world, moving in the world in new ways. Uh, do you know Jessa Reed? Uh, J-E-S-S-A-R-E-E-D. I just adore Jessa Reed. What a voice in the world. But Jessa Reed has this uh, line, wired for the new world. I love this line. I say it often to myself. She talks about how some, she's like, some of you, yeah, you're wired for the new world. You're not really wired for the world that we're coming out of. Yeah. I tell you about this thing that Jessa Reed says about being wired for the new world. Because I was at this uh, social engagement recently. The first two hours were lovely. I talked to a number of different people. Thoroughly enjoyed myself. And then there was this moment, and oh, it was so strong and clear. It was like my body was like, and we're leaving. I mean, it, it, it was like a shout, but it was like at a cellular level. And this has been happening to me a number of times in a number of different ways. And I tell you about it because I've noticed how many other people ha I have talked to about. It's like a new navigation system. And what I've noticed is how many people are telling stories about being sick, about every sort of ailment you can imagine, but it's, but it's healthy people, people who are serious about taking care of themselves in every way, talking about getting sick. I was going to say sick in strange ways, but like the body sort of breaking down. And, and for many of us, obviously, we're, we're the world that we're coming from, the body breaking down is a sign of weakness. But what I've noticed, and this is where it gets really, really fascinating, is how many people the body breaking down in some way is actually a strength. There's something about what's happening to them that they can no longer push through. They can no longer override what their body is telling them. Think, think about those old messages of, uh, it doesn't matter how you feel, just push through. It, it doesn't matter, yeah, what's happening in your heart, like, get back to the grind because someone else right now is grinding harder than you are and essentially they're going to get your piece of the pie. Any of this sound familiar? But what I've noticed is how many people are realizing that that conditioning and programming is like deeply destructive. It, it's, it's so directly connected with the scale and the obsession with growthism in which it's never enough. The inner capitalist within us that just pushes and pushes and pushes and doesn't even really know why. Sound familiar? Yeah. So, so there's something happening collectively. And, and to feel and, and see and know the collective is to shift from viewing a human being, first and foremost, as simply a separate self, a separate ego self, over and against all other selves, and when you move to understanding that you are a cell, different than other cells, and yet a cell in a larger body, when you begin to see the world through the lens of unity and oneness and wholeness, I'm a cell, and I'm with a number of other cells, we form a body, then you begin to see and feel and sense and know larger truths that are both happening in me, happening in you, that are also, there's like a fractal dimension to it. You're, you're also feeling something that's happening 
all across the place. And so uh, politics becomes much more, well, it's its usual maddening, frustrating, but also much more understandable because you can find the larger political divisions, struggles, wars, conflicts, etc. You can find them in yourself. The personal becomes political because the political has become personal. The political is simply a larger amalgamation. It's just the multiplication on a mass scale of what's happening. There's division within us, so of course there's division within us. Isn't this fascinating how it act, how this game actually <laughs> works? So if this is you, and you're like, how come I can't do what I used to be able to do? It can feel like you have less energy. It can feel like less drive, less ambition. You, you, you used to be able to reach down and just get through it. And now those same reserves aren't there. And so it's like, what's, what's wrong with me? Do I have some sort of long-term something that I don't know that I have that's like depleting? It, it, it could be because you're actually tuned in more than ever to a new pace, to new rhythms. Right now, it's like, in some senses, the dead of winter. This isn't, like think about the beginning of January. Beginning of January is like the heart of winter. I mean, all of creation, uh, especially in colder places, but all of creation at, at one level shuts down in many ways. Yeah, it shuts down so that it can spring forth later. And so think about how many things in the modern world, all right, early January, let's get back at it, are in direct opposition to the most fundamental energies of creation around them. Yeah, I'm noticing, uh, I used to, there would be like an opportunity to do something and I would weigh it. I would, I'd like look at that email and then I would see the pros and cons and I might, uh, I might say to Kristen, I, there, there's this thing that came, this whatever invitation opportunity came and it, and, and, I would have this like, almost like, uh, uh, my friend Brent the other day used the phrase, <laughs> he talked about mentalizing. I would like weigh the pros, the cons, the positives, the negatives. You might call a friend and be like, I don't know, I think, and you sort of, you just toss, it's like ping pong in your head. I'm noticing how if, uh, it's, it's this image of like the mind sinking in to the center of the being. The mind is such a wonderful servant, and it's just a horrific master. <laughs> but I'm noticing how many things, if I, I, I sink into the center of the body, and I'm like, uh, what is this? I get an instant yes, or an instant no, or you don't know. Sometimes it's just uh, you don't know. So there's no decision to make. So, so just put it out of your head. All of this leads to a much clearer mind, a much quieter mind. But this, I mean, try this. The, the next moment you're like, mm, what do I do? What, and you feel torn. Slow down and, and notice the intelligence that is sitting right there in the center of your being. Yeah. I'm noticing how many people built up all sorts of experience and skill. And so they're uh, they're trying to figure out what the next thing is in their life. And there's a thing they know how to do that they could go out and do tomorrow. And yet, something within them is giving them a no. And so they're like weirdly torn and ambivalent. There's like this, yeah, uh, there's this thing that I do. I could just go do it at another company. I could just start one. I could go get hired there. I could build another whatever. I could create another whatever. And yet, I keep getting a no. And then when we begin exploring it, they're like, oh, you could you can watch the person go, yeah, I would just go create another version of what I've already done, and yet there's some no I'm getting, so that whatever's next will be an entirely new kind of next. And then when they begin exploring that, inevitably they begin exploring something that you're like, ooh, that's like that's like genuinely new. Like that's how you that's how you would like make a whole new world. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm getting better and better at noticing all those energies that arise that their only answer ever is 
harder, faster, more. Just keep going. And I'm noticing how these other energies are taking over that are like, wait, listen, we'll move when we move. We'll know. We'll get, cl we'll get clear. The yes will come in. It will come in very clear. We'll take the next step. That's the only step that there ever is to take. Yeah, maybe this is you. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine some level, you're probably listening to Rob Cuss because you're wired for the new world. You have some itchy, angsty sense like, yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, that, that, maybe the old rule is even good, was even very, very good to you, and yet something's dying because you know there's, yeah, a next thing coming. Yeah. Which, weirdly enough, look at this list. They all seem to flow. The one seems to flow into the next. How interesting. That was not planned, and yet, who knows? <laughs> Somewhere within me, it got planned. Next on my list, what did we do? Leaf blower, Bakersfield, wired for the new world. Okay, here's one. Uh, the news. A year ago, beginning of February, I stopped reading or watching the news. At the time, it was an experiment. I was exper I was experimenting with how our antennas, how my antenna works, how I pick up, uh, how I pick up things, and I was experimenting with with taking in as little as possible, except for like mountains, the ocean, the path, the trail, uh, actual people that I would run into. But I was I was like, what if I wasn't on the interweb? because I was just in real life, essentially. And uh, so I stopped, like, except for sports. I follow sports. Otherwise, not, no news of the conventional, what, what, what we call news, which isn't news, obviously. It's an outrage, scandal, tragedy, algorithm, entertainment, complex machine <laughs> designed to keep us on it, slightly paranoid and anxious so that we keep returning to it. Nevertheless... Uh, the experiment, uh, well, it's still going, so I, I guess it's less of an experiment and more of just uh, life, this, <laughs> life, Thursday. <laughs> so, uh, a couple things I wanted to tell you that I've noticed. First, I only experience the news when somebody tells me about something. So I only experience the news communally. And when somebody does mention something, and I say, what's that? And then they tell me, inevitably, we then discuss it. So I went from scrolling through the news on my phone or my computer, clicking things all alone, me, the screen, and thoughts rattling around, and my thoughts about those thoughts, and my thoughts about the news, about what was telling me it was the news. I went from that to hearing about the news that had meant something or struck somebody in some way worthy enough that they shared it with me, me asking them more questions about it, us discussing what it was, where we'd heard it, is it true? What does it mean for us, for the world, and then for us in whatever place we are in? That alone, that alone is just a, for me, been a, a far more meaningful way to interact with the world in this grand experiment. Secondly, a number of times when a person has said, told me about something, I, uh, when I don't know what they're talking about, I ask them, and then generally I go to my phone or computer because I want to know more about that conflict, issue, law, report, and I do that internet wormhole thing you can do where you properly get informed. So what's really fascinating is at some level over the past year, I am disconnected, but I am also way more informed. Like you think about those ancient notions of the informed citizen. 
uh, and how democracy and, and that, that's how it functions is people have to actually have larger understanding and context for things. What's fascinating to me is in the past year, I know way more of the kinds of things that like ground and center you in an issue. Um, while I also don't have like those day-to-day anxieties that often the news can produce. It's like uh, what's happening in the world has become way more like an active engagement, but it's come not through endless clicking and scrolling, but through learning and like in like communion with others, wrestling and discussing and going back and forth about it. Isn't that fascinating? Oh, one more thing. <laughs> I've been doing this thing uh, for the past couple of months that, try this, I'm telling you, this, this one, try this and just watch what happens. So what you do is you say to somebody, you say, check this out, check this out. But say it like you're about to tell them something that is just amazing. So say to somebody, check this out, check this out. 2024, Trump versus Biden. <laughs> but say it like it's the coolest thing ever. 2024, check it out. Trump versus Biden. Now, I know a number of you just threw up in your mouths, right? You're washing dishes, you're running on a treadmill, you're walking the kids to the park, you're driving to work, and you're like, I'm, I, I'm just repulsed. The number of people who, when I do that, they moan, they sigh, they groan, they uh, lots of people just swear. <laughs> because, right, it's like the end of the world. Are you, seriously? The, lots of people just go, oh my God, seriously? It is like a deep resentment, disgust, just, whatever the highest ratcheted up fit to be tied is, like an exhaustion, a weariness. Are you kidding me? Trump versus Biden. Now, uh, I just tell you, that, try this, because there's something really, really compelling to me in how those of us in the United States of America, or those of you around the world who follow American politics, that eye roll, that sense of like, this, really, this is the best we can do, really. Are you kidding me? There's something else going on here, which, which I assume will take us years to sort of take apart. But think about your, think about, once again, the, the political is the personal, the personal is the political. We find the each through the other. Think about the moments, like in your life, that things really changed, like that you, you, you moved into entirely new ways I mean, usually it's bit by bit by bit, but think about the moments that had a that were a little more seismic, that were like like a hinge on which the whole thing turned in some very significant way. Think of how many of them came because of pain. Like, think of how many of them came because you reached the end of something, a way of uh, a structure, a way of moving, uh, a belief about yourself, about the world, some need that something you really, really wanted, and then you got it, and it was weirdly such a disappointment, almost like a betrayal. It was such a failure of what you thought it would be that that letdown, that pain, had you rethinking everything. Or you, things really collapsed, like in a devastating sort of way. And somewhere in that loss, like, like, like almost like the heart cratered, uh, a whole new life emerged out of that. Yeah. Perhaps at some level, a system, what we're watching is a system coming to the end of itself. I mean, there are these larger theories about civilizations that they have seven stages and that like the United States of America right now is in stage seven. I mean, so lots of very, very intelligent people, very well versed in history and the patterns therein are like, yeah, no, we're at the end of a massive thing and we can go back in history and see how we are following a pattern. So all of this is not actually... It's the usual new but not new. Um, and lots of very insightful people are like, yeah, yeah, the, all these feelings that you're feeling are how people have felt throughout history when a whole thing was coming 
to an end. Perhaps that Trump versus Biden 2024 and that just, oh my, oh, oh, what are we about to live through is, yeah, maybe it's the best kind of pain because it's the ending kind of pain. Uh, there, there is uh, something that I found really helpful in this is, well, what would a different kind of consciousness look like? Um, have you seen Borgen? Please tell me there's some Borgen fans out there. B-O-R-G-E-N. Borgen is a Danish television show, and I'm a quarter Danish, so I already lean that direction. Borgen, they made three episodes. It's on Netflix. Then they took 10 years off, and then they did an episode 10 years later after, like, 10 years had elapsed. Borgen is about, uh, well, it's about lots of things, but it's about a woman who becomes the prime minister of Denmark, which, when the show aired, was it 2011-ish? Uh, then a woman did become, apparently, a prime minister of not long after it actually happened in the fictional TV show. But here's what's so interesting. When you watch the show, there are lots of political parties, like seven or something. So... In, in as the show gives you this window into Danish politics um, for political leaders to get anything done, you have to form like alliances and coalitions and partnerships. So as opposed to two parties that are just constantly punching each other in the face, you have all of these different shifting, ebbing, flowing, morphing, amoeba-like, relationships among the parties that are all the fundamental orientation is how can we get things done and who can we find some commonality with to build enough of a majority that we can form a government and get things done and then if they aren't able to govern well there is quite quickly a system of mm, that there's no confidence there and then somebody else who proves they can reach out and form enough. Now, I assume those of you in Denmark are like, yeah, but it's also a little bit more complicated, and humans are humans. Yes, yes, yes. But from the American perspective, it's mind-blowing. It's like an alternate arrangement. It's, it's like a heightened consciousness of how a country could function. So in some ways, that's what's happening, is we are... We are being stretched in something that in many levels simply doesn't work like it was designed to work. And it's in that pain breaking us open and opening us up to perhaps all sorts of new arrangements. Who knows how soon from now we'll be like, remember when it used to be, remember when, when those used to be the options? Remember when it like bottomed out? Yeah, who knows what we are actually in the midst of. Which, of course, leads me to the second to last item on my list of things I wanted to talk to you about. Pants. <laughs> or trousers in more common parlance. <laughs> I wear a particular kind of Japanese pants, and uh, I have several pairs, and I just rotate them. So each... There's only a couple pairs, because you only need a couple pairs. And uh, these particular Japanese pants are, uh, I don't even, I don't, like, they're only sold in a few stores. Um, none that I know of anywhere around, maybe one store in all of Southern California that I know of. Um, and so I was getting a pair recently. And uh, so I went on the old interweb, and I found a shop in where, where St. Paul, Minnesota, 614 Shelby Avenue. It's called Black Blue. And Black Blue sells this particular make of Japanese trousers. And they had the pair I was looking for, and they had them in my size. What a moment. And so they arrived. They are, as I knew they would be, just wonderful. And you know when a package arrives and there's the receipt that comes with it? I pull open the trousers. I see the trousers. Behind it, I see the receipt. On the receipt is a fluorescent yellow post-it note. And on the post-it note, written in pencil, is uh, Rob, da 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 enjoy the pants, 
recently been enjoying Where'd You Park Your Spaceship? I love it. And then it was signed, Grayson. <laughs> yes. I have both arms raised like somebody somewhere just scored a field goal, scored a goal. Uh, so shout out to everybody at Black Blue and shout out to Grayson. Yeah, this lovely chap is, is he's packaging up some Japanese trousers for some fella named Rob Bell in Ojai. And he assumes it's the Rob Bell who, this Rob, the, I'm, I'm pointing at myself, this Rob Bell. And so he writes me a note. Oh, yeah, that's just, yeah. That's like really, really, really meaningful. Yeah, yeah. So thank you, Grayson. You made my day. You made my week. You made my list. You made the Robcast. <laughs> oh, man, oh, man. Now, uh, one more thing. To wrap up this episode, oh my God, my hair is soaking wet. Do you realize how soaking wet my hair is? That's what this is called. Um, my daughter Violet played soccer for nine minutes years ago, and she's a freshman in high school. And when volleyball season was over in the fall, she decided to go out for the high school team, and like you like you do. And so she's been playing soccer, and I go to the games, and I love it. And we discuss the games and what happened. There was a fight a couple of weeks ago. I mean, it's I we drive all over for these games. Uh, we discuss the uniform. We discuss whether long sleeve T-shirt underneath it, shorts have second short sleeve shirt. We go to the soccer store to analyze the cleats. We are in. Last week, one of the last games of the season was in Santa. Was in wait Fillmore. You know Fillmore. Fillmore is actually over the mountain from Ojai, so you sort of go through. You go up into Upper Ojai through the Happy Valley, then you go down through this pass in the mountain, and then out, um, and then you head east towards the Five, and then you get to Fillmore. Um, so I go out there. Uh, the game, um, yeah, they lost, but it was pouring rain. It was a pouring rain Friday night, and uh, after her game. I pull up behind the team bus where she's hanging out because of how wet it was. And she comes and gets in the car and she's soaking wet from her game. And she starts telling me about her hair is soaking wet and her bag, her book bag. Remember that book bag that you carried in high school that had all your books and now it has a laptop. So it weighs like 43 pounds. And there's that bag that she's been carrying since 8 a.m. that morning. And then there's also the bag for the game with everything for the game, including multiple hoodies, because you never know what the hoodie vibe is going to be. And um, warm clothes, wink, clothes for the game, clothes for after the game. So there's two large bags. And uh, it's a Friday night. It's dark. It's pouring rain. And since Monday morning, she goes to school, trains, comes home, homework, goes to bed, wakes up, school, game. I think it was the third game of the week. She's been going solid, and she gets in the car, and she's soaking wet. She's freezing. I was like, it started pouring rain during the game. Is this a total dad story or what? And uh, she starts giving, recounting in detail how they set up like a temporary roof tent for the players to huddle under when it was pouring rain, but the tent didn't work. And uh, she's talking about how hard it was to run around in the rain and how heavy your clothes get. And she's so cold. And I, we go and get her. I was like, you want some food? So we get her some food. And we're driving. Uh, and, the, and the sort of canyon that you drive through to go, over the, to go through and over the mountain um, is dark. Uh, and we're driving along in the dark canyon late on a Friday night. She's exhausted. She's soaking wet. Have I mentioned that? She's cold. She's uh, eating her food. She's recounting all of it. She's reminding me that she's never had her hair soaking wet in the rain like that. And I don't know if there's anything better. And I know you're hearing the story going, yeah, that is high school right there. Yeah. She was like describing it all, but what underneath it, what I was feeling was like, pure undiluted life itself right when you're 14 yeah like like a little battle a little challenge a rainstorm an opponent who is just kicking your ass and racking up the goals 
<laughs> and pushing you around so you sort of got to stand your ground and you're hungry and you're tired and you've really, really given yourself to something you're really passionate about and you're looking forward to like being back in your nice warm room, but right now you got to like recount all the details of the battle. Yeah, yeah. So it was like hard and great. It was difficult and euphoric. Yeah, what a gift she's giving me. She was giving me there in the front seat of the car as I drove along. Yeah, yeah, because watching her, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's living right there. That's what you do when you're 14. I'm so happy she's having this experience. And she's talking about this class and this paper she wrote and this essay that she ran by me and we discussed and what happened earlier that day and, and the challenge of it and the sense of accomplishment and the victory, all the feels. It was just a clinic in feeling all the feels. Yeah. Yeah, but you and I hear the story and we're like, oh yeah, 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 of course. That yeah, it's exactly that. Now that is being fourteen. Yeah, yeah. There's some sort of gift in that to me. Yeah, last year it was like. Now that I have now that I have a full month of distance from last year, that was like the hardest year ever. That that took me places that like, like stretched my heart. Like. To the point where I was, I can't, can it, like, is it going to, does a heart at some point break if you stretch it for, how does this work? Yeah. Yeah. And some of it, I, a lot of it, I don't understand. Some of it I do. It's very hard, all the different things that happen to talk about yet uh, in something like this. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what this is. Yeah. You, you, all of this. Yeah. It all belongs to a whole that we know to be our lives. You know, all the stuff, all the terror, all the joy, all the euphoria, all the, what the, what is this? What am, what, are, is this ever, are we ever going to get through this? What? I know nothing. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. My hair is soaking wet. My hair is so wet. <laughs> I loved it every time she said it because it was like, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So for you. For me, for all that, all the stuff the mind wants to do, why this? How long is this going to be? Why do I have to? What, what is going on here? Uh, yeah. Yeah, apparently the answer is life. And I know that's the most duh thing ever. That's why it helps me so much. Yeah. I'm, I, I can't do much complicated anymore. I need, it re I need it really laid out super simple. Yeah. Yep. Life. Like being here. It's an incarnation. Yeah, we showed up here, and this turns out to be exactly like it is. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But my leaf blower has a turbo button. So, yeah, I'm going to be fine. We're all going to be fine. <laughs> this has been the first Robcast episode of 2024. There will be more. Peace and love to you, my friends.